Welcome to the All Dogs Are Good Dog podcast. I'm your host, Brianna Dick from Pack Leader Health, and today we're going to be making sense of dog behavior and dog training for the everyday dog person. Thank you for joining me for another episode of All Dogs Are Good Dogs podcast. I'm your host, Brianna Dick, and today we're going to be talking about new dog trainers or If you're new to the dog training industry, today we will be spilling some tea because that is my actual favorite thing to do. Um, I thought about making this podcast from the very beginning, but I wanted to get out some very important tangible topics for people to actually do, specific things that they can do to change their relationship with their dog. And now today, it's just going to be me blabbing on about what I think young trainers or new trainers can do to help themselves, how to deal with the mental and emotional part or even the financial part of starting a business. And this is going to be, you know, related to dog training, but it can be applied to other small businesses as well. And talking about um, white men in the dog training industry or just men in general because they're problematic on their face. Uh, All right, so let's get into it. If you're a new dog trainer... I'm going to have to guess that you have experienced a lot of ups and downs. If you started your business or maybe you're a new dog trainer just getting into the industry, I want to talk about a couple things that I wish I knew when I first started. Uh, There's a lot of different methodologies. There's a lot of different ideologies. There's a lot of different techniques. There's a lot of different approaches. And I would argue that almost none of them are wrong or inherently bad. The only time I think uh, they are wrong or bad or extremely problematic or dangerous is when you have on the extreme end of compulsion training where you are lighting dogs up with e-collars every two seconds if they don't comply. And then on the other end of the spectrum, it's trainers who refuse to tell their dogs no. So those are the only two extremes where I'm like, that shit doesn't make any sense. It's really problematic, but I think the average human can sort of determined that that is stupid. So when you're first getting into the dog training industry, it's so overwhelming. There are so many different, do this, do that, don't do this, also do this. And you're like, well, what's right? What's wrong? How do I work with clients? How do I convince them that this approach or this tool is the best way versus not? And I wish I was more open to learning earlier on. I thought I was open to learning, but I was open to learning things that aligned with what I thought should happen. So I came from the Caesar world. I came from more, um, you know, alpha rolling your dogs, using a lot of physical spatial pressure to get the dog to listen to you. not a lot of reward-based training. Although I did know how to use reward-based training with obedience, I didn't know how to use food for behavior. So if you're a new trainer, the first thing that I'd ask you to do is just be open. Shadow as many people on either side, if you will, of the spectrum to help give you better tools. The more tools, the more approaches you have, the more techniques you have, the better of a trainer you're going to be. Because guess what? If you stick to just one, whether it's balanced or positive only, you're going to hit a client, you're going to get a dog that you just can't reach with those techniques. And it's going to be frustrating and you're going to feel like there's no light at the end of the tunnel or maybe this dog can't be helped, maybe this dog can't be fixed, or maybe this relationship can't be fixed. But I I think that's pretty rare, at least um, in my experience. So just be open to the idea that one trainer could show you one thing and it works amazingly and then another trainer could say well that could never work 
And they could both be right. Maybe that that approach could never work with that specific client, with that specific dog, with that specific person. But if I've learned anything over the past 10 years, the most important thing in dog training is confidence in the person and in the trainer. And what I mean by that is the reason that there's so many different dog trainers and different approaches and sort of regurgitating the same concepts over and over and over again is because the important part is convincing a person that this way is actually going to work. If I convince you that using a penny and flipping it um, near your dog could get them to stop doing something, I guarantee that that would work. If I convince you that this treat can help your dog feel better Um, you feeling better is really the driving factor in your dog's behavioral changes. So when you enter this new dog training world and you're like, does this work? Does that work? Is that bad? Is that good? I would say look at the results and be open to getting uncomfortable with other people, other approaches, um, maybe even learning what you don't want to do. I learned a lot of what I didn't want to do earlier on in my career And that actually helped me form what I do want to do with clients. I want to make clients feel like they are capable. I want to make dogs feel optimistic. Um, Optimism is an idea that I got from Mark McCabe and and actually my friend Ian McCabe. They're not, um, they don't know, they are not related. But (laughs) I came in touch with Ian and I, I don't think he used the word optimism necessarily, But we do want to create a dog who is optimistic about their choices. And I think anytime I um, was in like compulsion training side, I didn't think that the dog was necessarily optimistic. I was just like, well, they need to respect me. They just need to listen to me, which I mean, yeah, that's true. But I would love for my dog to want to listen to me. Okay, I digress. I'm getting into the weeds here. And that's what this this conversation is just going to be me sort of venting about all the things I wish I knew when I started dog training. When you are starting your own business, if you're a new trainer and you've started your own business, you are going to have ebbs and flows. You're going to have ups and downs. Some days you're going to feel like you're a fucking idiot and you have no idea what you're doing. Other days you're going to be like, I'm the best dog trainer in the world. That is normal. It's completely normal. Um, you will sort of get to a point where it's a bit more consistent, but it feels like a roller coaster in the beginning. It's like, I got these clients, but now I don't have any clients. And then I got these clients again. And then this client wrote me a good review. And then, well, now I haven't gotten any in a really long time. The, the one thing that I didn't realize early on when starting my business was how ostracizing being a dog trainer by yourself is. Because you're alone with your thoughts, you're alone with the client, you're alone with the dog, and you don't have a sounding board to sort of bounce off of when you're experiencing all of these emotions. And that can be really difficult, especially if you don't have anyone around you who has even had any sort of um, small business. Because I think every small business owner is going through these fluctuations of emotions on a weekly, if not daily basis of I'm amazing, I suck, I'm successful, I'm failing. <laughs> um, and hopefully, ideally, as your business grows and it, you start to notice patterns, you can create more consistency and that will help you feel more consistently optimistic about the trajectory of your life and your business and your finances. Uh, but if you're a new trainer, another thing that I would tell you to do is reach out to people, talk to people, 
everybody needs help sometimes. Everybody needs a mentor. Everybody needs someone that they can reach out to when they're like, I'm stuck. I'm stuck in my personal life. I'm stuck in my professional life. I'm stuck with this dog. I'm stuck with this client. I promise you, nine times out of 10, if you reach out to someone, they're going to respond. I have had a lot of positive feedback from reaching out to people like Tyler Muto or Larry Crone or Sherry Lucas or Kim from the Canon Republic or Sam or uh, Rachel from the Healing Pack has been amazing for me. Uh, I'm just listing off some names of people that I have reached out to when I was at a moment of I'm stuck. And they were there to say, oh, yeah, you know what? I had a client dog like that. Or "Mm, have you tried this approach? Even if you guys don't completely align, they can at least help you zoom out and give you a broader perspective of the issue, whether that's in your business where you're like struggling to get clients to do their homework or you're struggling to retain clients or your programs are just a bit disorganized. Talk to people. You have to create a community for yourself and nobody's going to be judging you for asking questions. And if they are, send them to me because they're a piece of shit. Everybody should be bettering themselves and asking questions. And I know it can be scary to be vulnerable because you don't want another trainer to think you're stupid, but I can guarantee they were at that moment probably a year prior or even months prior where they were stuck with something they reached out to someone they knew or a mentor or a colleague and they were able to get a better answer and uh, I was just I was totally bummed I didn't even know like that there's clicks in the dog training world I didn't even know that there was like this bad back and forth between positive only and balance I was so ignorant naive and it was wonderful great in a lot of ways um for in that sense it was really wonderful to not like worry about everyone's perception of me and like what I was putting out because I was unknown and I was just doing my thing with my clients and it was wonderful but uh at some point it became lonely and I got stuck and I needed help because everybody needs help sometimes so if you're a new trainer and you're if, if you can relate to anything I've said please know that that is totally normal You are completely valid in those feelings. It doesn't make you a failure. It doesn't make you bad at your job. It doesn't make you any of those negative things. It just makes you human and you're learning. That's it. Um, Anybody who starts a business is going to be learning along the way. Even if they've had multiple businesses before, when you start any new business and you start working with different clients and dogs and any type of business, you're going to be learning as you go. And you're going to look back six months, a year from now and say, oh my gosh, I can't believe I used to do that. Thank God I found a new and better and efficient way to do it. Although that process will go faster if you're talking to other trainers and other people. Use the dog training community as a resource, but also give back. I don't want you just like taking. Don't just, you know, if you are asking questions to another trainer, maybe ask if you can do a virtual session with them and be willing to pay Or if that's not within your um, financial ability, I would say, hey, is there something I can do for you um, in relation to you providing some advice? Can I post about you? Can I write you a review? Something where both parties are getting something positive for it. Another thing I want to discuss is that every dog trainer has dogs who makes mistakes and they're not perfect. Cesar Milan's dogs are aggressive People's dogs that we see, you know, online, my own dogs, our dogs make mistakes because we make mistakes. Our dogs are not perfect. Regardless of whatever trainer says or posts, 
Um, we struggle sometimes and I hate this idea and I know it's social media, but I do try and talk about like, Hey, I've struggled with this with Iris. And the only difference between us, like as trainers and, um, clients is information and consistency. It's not that our dogs never struggle with behaviors. It's that we know how to address them if they do arise. Now, I'm not saying that if you have like an insanely reactive dog as a dog trainer, and you're like telling other people that you can fix reactivity, that's problematic and that I'm going to disagree with. I think that's probably case by case. Like say you inherited this dog, say this dog was like a foster fail and you know, you haven't had this dog since it was a puppy and uh, you're working through reactivity with them currently. I think that's totally different. Like uh, my colleague Ian McCabe, he owns Dogwood Methods. He, all of, five of his dogs, he's they are very, 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 very intense dogs. I can't, I can't over reiterate that. And he inherited all of them with like bite histories, severe behaviors. So if they ever reacted, that's not a reflection of him. Um, I would be looking at the 99% of the time they're not reacting because he has put his blood, sweat, and tears in creating really, really amazing dogs, considering probably all those dogs could have been put down at some point. So I think that's a little bit different, but it's not something that we often talk about in the dog training because it's like, well, oh, my dog wouldn't do this or my dog's not good at that. Every dog, like every owner has their strengths and weaknesses. Like maybe Vinny's dogs would be really good at obedience, um, but my dogs would be better in social settings because that's that those are our strengths and our weaknesses. So that doesn't make you like a bad trainer if you have a dog who makes mistakes. But I also think it's important for owners to hear that. Like our dogs are not perfect. Sometimes they don't listen to us. Uh, we, we just know how to go back to the drawing board and address those behaviors. I did want to talk a little bit about uh, men and dog training. Uh, that's something that I was, again, very naive to. It was, we talk about these abusive men um, in our DMs and we whisper these things. And I did not know there was so much shit in the dog training industry. For some reason, I was like, it's immune to the patriarchy and white supremacy and all of these things. Oh, unfortunately, it's not. It's not. That, again, very, for for me going to law school, very naive of me to think that. I think I was just overly optimistic. But I started talking to people, getting very, very close, building very strong friendships with people who were sexually assaulted, mentally and emotionally abused by people that I highly respected. Um... I see a lot of men, white men specifically at the top, who support policies, politicians, and ideologies that are extremely harmful to minorities, LGBTQ, women, people of color. And it's so fucking ironic to me that these people will say, we need to build up owners and we need to build strong owners and we can, on the same token, putting them down. And, and creating a world in an America where we put down people of color, LGBTQ, uh, women. Yet I just, it is so, I'm like, the cognitive dissonance is so wild to me because they're like, yeah, you know, we got to build owners up, blah, 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 while also putting them down. I'm like, do you, do you see yourself in the mirror? Because you are missing it. 
and it's disturbing and I hate it. I can't, I loathe it and I will fight against it every single day of my life. But that's something that really hurt me because I'm looking up to these people and they're really great with dogs um, and they're good with certain clients, right? Because a majority of their clients are white. Um, you don't see them working with people of color very often because why would a person of color want to work with them? You know, they voted for Trump and they're like, fuck immigrants. Um, and I know this is really going to piss a lot of people off. I'm probably going to lose followers. And that is, ooh, that's so perfectly okay with me because I don't want someone following me who's okay with that. If you want to be ignorant, be ignorant somewhere else, but it's not going to be on my podcast. It's not going to be on my page. I am here for building every single person up. And that means minorities, people of color, LGBTQ, and so on. Uh, but that is, those are groups of people that have a very hard time getting into the dog industry, dog training industry because of money, typically. Because it's $7,500 to shadow someone for a week. Like, what? What are you, what are you giving me? What are you giving me? Legitimately, you're, you're charging $7,500 for a week. Uh, that's just capitalism. But <laughs> uh, anyways... Women especially, young women, you need to be mindful, you need to be careful of these men who are selling programs, um, who are, they seem perfect on social media, talk to other people, send people some DMs, have you shadowed this person, have you worked with this person, have you had more than just a conversation with this person, you need to know what you're getting into, and I did not know, and it was really, really disturbing when I sort of lifted the veil on all of these men in the dog training industry, I think a lot of these men are in dog training, not because they love the dogs, not because they love the clients or want to help them, they like to control things. You see a lot of these guys, big rough and tough guys who, you know, do um, the obedience and stuff and they just like to control things and that's why they're in it and you need to be aware of that. They are egotistical. They're full of pride. Half of them are probably narcissists and they are dangerous. They will take their money. They'll emotionally abuse you, abuse you. They'll sexually harass you and assault you. And um, I wish this was just one man. I wouldn't be discussing this if this was just one guy. This is so many men at the top. Many men have, have had lawsuits against them. Um, but they're not that easy to find because they're not like big you know, famous people, it's a little bit more on the hush-hush. And I'm, I'm discussing this because I know that it's an important topic that we shy away from. I do not shy away from controversial topics. I never have been that way, and I never will be. And if I get pushback, I get pushback, but I'm willing to bet that a lot of women listening to this, maybe some of my colleagues, and maybe the people who've experienced this, are listening and saying, yeah, I wish I knew that. I wish I knew that about that guy before I risked my entire career or my business or my money or my safety in order to shadow them or work with them. Uh, it's disheartening. But on the good note, I think we're seeing a shift with an influx of a lot of amazing, you know, women in dog training. And that is really, really amazing for me to see. And I would love to see more of that because when we think about all the top dog training people right now, it's a little bit all the same. And I want to see diversity in dog training. It shouldn't just be one type of person, 
a white man doing the same thing. Like we should, there's so many millions of different people across the globe and in America and dog training should reflect that because that's going to be able to help. We're going to be able to help clients a lot better that way when we have more diversity in the dog training industry. And I'll keep this next note short and sweet. If you are charging a grand a day, eight, $900 a day for shadowing, you're immoral and embarrassing. Let me tell you why. You're not a doctor. You're not a lawyer. You're not out here saving lights. We are dog trainers, and I'm going to leave it at that. All right, on to the next thing. We'll go back to, I'm a new trainer. I'm new to the dog training industry. How do I filter through what's good content and what's not bad content? Um, Talk to other trainers. I think that all these other trainers, they if unless you have a friend, they find out like, oh, this trainer is holding a seminar and their results are really good. And they kind of keep it on the hush hush. They will take what they learned from that seminar. They, they'll post about what they learned as it's like as it's theirs and then they won't tell their clients where that information actually came from. And that's there's these trainers that are like the best kept secrets because these big trainers, like these big accounts, don't really share where they got that information from. They just regurgitate it uh, and reshape it in a different way, which we're all doing. But I try my best when I have introduced a concept to say, hey, this was influenced by this person or my friend Ian or Rachel or Sherry or who or Vinny or whoever it is. Um, I try and give credit where credit is due because clients should know that too. And other trainers should know that too, that you're not just thinking of these things. You're not just shitting them out like this perfect idea. You got it from somebody else. Uh, there, I mean, yes, there are new concepts. There's innovative and dynamic concepts that you can create, but it's always going to be influenced by other people. And I don't think it hurts you or your reputa- reputation to say, yeah, I was influenced by this person. Like, for example, my board and train program on my website, it says, hey, I got this idea from Dogfit Dallas, my pal Art. Mine's a little bit different, but the idea is relatively the same as his. My clients don't care that I got that idea from art. They're like, cool, awesome. You're offering this, good to go. So as a as a new trainer, if you are like, how is this person like learning something new? Or where did this idea come from? DM some people and say, hey, where'd you get that? Or did you create that yourself? Talking to people is the best thing that you can do because that's where you're going to get the answers fastest. I don't know why there's like this, there's this idea that you have to like keep your secrets or your methodologies or your ideas to yourself um but the my colleagues the ones that I'm genuinely friends with we are not like that at all the second we learn something new we're like hey did you see that you want me to show you how to do it and I love that that is like my favorite thing about the people that I have around me we're constantly going back and forth um figuring out the new and most efficient way to work with clients to work our business to work dogs Um, I also want to talk about the business side of things, the financial side, the structure, the organization, hiring and firing. I will hopefully be, I'm, I'm working on a book right now for how to create a small business, specifically with dog training and how to file taxes, how to file for an LLC, how to hire employees, um, what should you ask in interviews, uh, managing finances, how to price yourself, All of those things are very important. And there's already free resources on the internet that you can read about. 
But um, because I get so many questions and I have a background in business management, I figured I would create something for free for people who can't afford, you know, a $1,500 business seminar or something like that. Because again, Google's free. It's just sometimes difficult to filter through what's good information and what's bad. And that actually brings up another point. If you're unsure whether this approach is good or bad, try it out with your own dog or talk to the person who did it and ask them questions or look at the comments on a post or a video and Google it and see if you can talk to other people who have used it and watch videos on it and talk to other people about it. I Again, I don't think there's a lot of bad information. It's just different information like... Um, when I, the way that I teach place is very different than some of my colleagues, that doesn't make my way better. It doesn't make their way better. It doesn't make my way wrong or vice versa. It just makes it different. And sometimes if you're piecing together different, uh, trainers things that can be good, but other times like my program is holistically, we have to do it this way in order for these steps to work. And that can be difficult depending on the dog. Sometimes you can piece together different training uh, methodologies and it works really well. And other times I'm like, I need a streamlined approach so this dog is getting a clear, consistent message. So just challenge yourself. If you're like, oh, that looks stupid or that looks wrong, just challenge yourself to say, well, let's see how it can be done in a way that actually benefits the dog and benefits the owner. The best uh, word of advice that was given to me by my friend Rachel and also Art is if you can't say no to something or someone, you have no business saying yes. And that is so true when you are early on and you're just taking on everything all the time. Yes to this client. Yes to this dog. Yes to this opportunity. Yes, you want to be opportunistic, but you also want to be intelligent and make really articulate decisions. And you can't do that if you're saying yes to things that you can't say no to. And I promise you, it's going to keep you in a pool of frustration and annoyance and tension. You're not going to attract the type of clients you want. And it just keeps you in that cycle. Because I want to end on a positive note because I feel so happy and optimistic and proud and lucky to have anybody come into my DMs and ask to shadow me or they ask questions or they just need a vent and say, Brianna, I'm really struggling with this dog right now. I have felt all of those feelings. We all do. The trainers at the top, they all experience those feelings. They don't just always talk about it. And I'm not saying they have an obligation to necessarily discuss it, but I think people need to see that we're real human beings and we struggle sometimes too. Sometimes we don't know the answer. Sometimes we have a bad day. Some days like last week, I'm like, am I even good at my job? Am I even a good dog trainer? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's real and that's real life. And other people, whether it's an owner or a new dog trainer, you need to know that that is totally fair and valid and normal. And there's a light at the end of the tunnel. It doesn't always feel like that. Again, you get more consistent and confident in your way to handle things and your ability to manage clients. Also, managing clients. You need to learn how to manage your clients. You need to learn how to manage expectations. You have to set boundaries. Set them early. Set the tone. Let your clients know that you're not on all the time. Let them know that it's not your job to fix the job or fix the dog. That is a really, 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 really big one that took me so many years to get and to really conceptualize and understand. I had to mull it over for a good five years before I finally said, oh, maybe maybe it's not 
me. Maybe it's not my job to fix this dog. It's my job to give them information and what they do with that information is on them. And that's what I want you to take from this. Your job as a dog trainer is to give information, not fix the dog. And as a person, get some therapy. You're going to need some support. Therapy isn't just for people who are like messed up or anything like that. You're going to need to learn how to ride the waves and the ups and downs in the emotional fluctuations of a business and it's hard and you're going to need support and I'm here to support you, but you're going to need some additional ones. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you for taking the time to learn about dog training, about the dog training industry, at least from where I'm sitting. Take what I'm saying with a grain of salt unfollow me but if you liked it (laughs) please write me a review on apple or um, spotify shoot me a dm tell me what you want to listen to next if this is your first time listening uh i'm sorry (laughs) i usually talk about dog stuff follow us at at pack leader help packleaderhelp.com and i hope you guys have an amazing rest of your week i'm going to get a puppy